Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast about clothes, except when it isn't, which is most of the time, really. This is season eight and episode 59. If it's your first ever episode, do yourself a favour, clear the next few days of all appointments and catch up on our chats with Charlene Spiteri, Matt Preston, Skin and tons of other amazing guests. Oh, and remember, remember the 7th of November, the date we'll be doing our first and probably last live show. Go to our episode notes for details. But now on to today's special guest, who's been entertaining us for more than 40 years, and somehow she's still bloody younger than me. It's the divine Danny Minogue. So let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. Singer, songwriter, actress, model, entertainer, fashion designer, talent show judge, style icon, and all round bloody legend, Danny Minogue. I'm out of breath after all that. How are you, Danny? <laughs> Thank you. I always get the slasher intro, but I've never had bloody legend, so I'm so happy about that. Thank you. You personalized it. You are a bloody legend, and I feel like I feel like I know you for a start because I think we've got quite a few friends in common. Um, yeah. And you've just been in our lives for you know in in such a kind of lovely, comforting, joyful way. You seem to be someone who is just always upbeat, always happy, and most importantly, kind. Do you think that's an apt description? I would like to think so. Um, I do, God, I have down days. And uh, through COVID, there's been the corona coaster that I'm riding and gone to places that I haven't known. But my general sense is always being up so I know that if I'm down something's really off and um, it's incredible to think that some people are, are dealing with those highs and lows all the time and I guess one, when you have that you 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 have to get through it somehow but um, yeah there's a lot that's, that's kind of new to me my my son is also the same he's just generally like really happy and his MO is just he loves to make other people smile and make them happy because if you if you know that you have that it's like a, he watches all of these um, like anime cartoon things and they're like power of water power of earth and fire and stuff but it's kind of like having that power where you feel like you can walk into a room and you can change the mood or the energy in that way and that you're aware of it so I think that that it's something that I spend a lot of time thinking of so I'm very very happy that you said that and ditto to you I feel like I've seen you so much but I don't know you properly but would love to know you and have a wild night out or a walk in the park or something and and uh chew the fat yeah I think we've got a lot in common and I I I think that thing of you know being able to walk into room and to sense the atmosphere it's like one of my children has that in spades and it's it's an emotional intelligence and it's something that you can't manufacture. It's something you're born with. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, whenever somebody asks me what star sign are you and I say Libra, they go, oh, God, so obvious. I knew that. I knew that everything about you is Libra. Like everything has to be pretty and nice and it's got to be the vibe and candles and <laughs> it's what – color it is or what music's playing you're, you're so libra nobody can have an argument it's like if there's some some any disagreement it's got to be sorted out straight away I yeah. can't like I can't stand the tension 
I'm exactly the same, but I, I, I don't know if you're like this, but I feel I'm like the most terrible people pleaser. So like you say, it's anything to keep the equilibrium. And I don't know if, for me whether that comes from a selfish place just so that I can go through my life kind of, you know, skimming across the surface or whether it's genuine. And that's something I'm trying to work out at the moment. I feel like I'm the same and I've asked myself the same question because it's like, am I willing to see the dark side or just like stay on the top of the water? And I'm the kind of person that can't watch scary films. I find the news very confronting. It's like, ah, facts and, oh, no, I just need, you know, give me that sort of Disney um, world. Uh, I'd, I'd rather be blissfully ignorant and and it's really challenging at the moment like we're in lockdown in Melbourne now and uh, we have been in lockdown for more than 200 days I don't know how many it is exactly we're going to be in lockdown probably at least for the rest of the month Um, life is really really different and of course you want to kind of check the COVID numbers in the morning and check the vaccinations and we're not coming out of this until 80% of the people are vaccinated and what are the figures but it also blows my mind and some days I just go I can't do it um you know is it just me or is it is there like is everyone having these this same day Mm. and it's Groundhog Day it is it's just unreal so doing this interview tonight putting up my makeup, you know, getting <laughs> excited. And and that sort of excitement and connecting with you and feeling like I could be in London. I'm I'm almost there. Oh my God, I was meant to be already so many times already this year and mm. you know that hasn't happened. And um woo, yeah, I kind yeah. of feel like I want to be that swan on top of the water, gracefully yeah. gliding, because I don't know, maybe that's okay. Maybe everything else going on underneath like this is still going to be going on whether you're stressed about it or not. And maybe that's a coping mechanism that we have. Mm. I think it's uh, I think it's also a kind of, it's a form of optimism too. And it's looking at the world as with the glass half full as opposed to half mm. empty, which, you know, mm. I'd much rather be that way. So my love, you are, you are so steeped in... Um, well, so many things, but in particular fashion and out of all the people mm. who I've interviewed and some people are known, you know, for their clothes or whatever, but you in particular, you've really immersed yourself. You've got your own line um, on QVC. You've, you've, you've emerged since I think probably um, the X Factor as this style icon and particular in Australia so how's that come about? Have you always been passionate about clothes? I have, and it's kind of the greatest thing in my life and it's probably been the thing that has been confusing to people and living in the public eye, it's been, I guess, some kind of a journey and a roller coaster that we've been on and, as you say, emerging from X Factor as somebody, you know, who has something to say about fashion. So it started for me as a kid really being in this mix between loving Barbie and feminine stuff and anything pink and glittery and loving stuff that that was really identified as dude stuff. Like I love going catching frogs with my brother and blue tongue lizards and we would ride BMX bikes and most of the photos of me when I'm young, I'm covered in mud and I'm wearing yellow gum boots that say stop and go on the toes <laughs> and a tutu and a hand-me-down T-shirt. There's a whole lot of like, there's a whole lot going on. But in my mind, you know, that was just me. And so being comfortable in your skin and being authentic, I think makes people really happy. And the more that I read in the media at the moment, people's memoirs, autobiography, stuff stuff on social media, people become really happy when they're authentically them. And when we're kids, I was lucky to have parents that just let me be and do what I wanted to do. And not everybody has 
that growing up and then cut forward to I start working professionally from the age of seven on TV, singing and dancing, doing stuff, and there's a dress-up box of stuff available to me. And I I love watching movies like Grease and, and I notice the costumes in it and I notice when Sandy changes from, you know, awkward, goofy Sandy to sexy Sandy, how people treat her differently. And I'm just really aware of this whole sort of fashion thing um, and loving music and growing up being obsessed with Banana Rama and Madonna and even, you know, your Duran Durans and, you know, your Kiss bands, like people who were exploring makeup and um, costume and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like um, sometimes I've worn outfits that I felt great in and they were authentically me and they weren't received well. Um, and I think times have really changed. So when I was growing up, there were just magazine editors who just put model type people on it. And you and I would have grown up looking at magazines going, there is no chance in hell that I will ever be on the cover of a magazine. It's just not. Like we grew up in Australia with Dolly magazine and Elle McPherson was the face of that. That that's They're the people who end up on those magazines. Um, there was no social media. There were just editors controlling that or um, record companies would, I think, you know, have artists that also looked a certain way. And it all started to change around the time, you know, we had um, – Top of the Pops and Smash Hits and magazines like that big and number one really collide where uh, there were different kind of artists and they were put on the cover of magazines. Started to started to kind of change. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't till there was social media and we saw every kind of person putting themselves up on social media. Every body shape, every type, whatever you were thinking about, whatever you wanted to wear. And then cut forward to COVID where people were like, hell, I'm going to drag this out of my wardrobe and put this sparkly thing on because it just makes me feel happy and photographing it and putting it out there. And I feel like there's so much more self-confidence and authenticity about who people really are without worried about being judged. And I just noticed that people are so much happier mm. when they're like that. I mean, I think that's that's a really interesting point about social media, and it's not one I've kind of heard pinpointed before. And it's very true, but I do still think that the the media has a lot to answer for. You know, if you you don't fit into their idea of perfection, then you can be criticised. So, for, you know, so you mentioned Elle McPherson, who's six foot, God knows what, and languid, tall, amazing. And then there's you, who's a little petite little hobgoblin, who's what? You're five foot two? <laughs> what are you, five foot two? Five foot two yes. with little two. If I stand very tall. I mean, yeah. that <laughs> is, to me, that is perfection. You know, it's like I'm just going to put her in my pocket and I'm going to keep her at my side <laughs> and she's going to be my good luck charm. But at the same time, you know, you're so right. You had to be a certain look. And I still believe you do have to be a certain look. And when there's someone like Lizzo or who I think is awesome and amazing, yeah. someone like that on the cover, I still feel it's gratuitous because there's so many years to unravel of how women were supposed to look. And we kind of keep bouncing back to it. And I think it's going to take a long time for magazines and the media to have the balls to say okay let's run with someone who's real it's just about celebrating because for me Elle is real that's her authentic self mm. she's sporty she's got wide shoulders she's got narrow hips she's really tall and slim and that's who she is and I feel like we're all caught in the middle and there are friends of mine that models that are just born like that and they yeah. feel like they're being shamed for being who they are because it's not real and they go but for me it's 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 very real this is how I am so I think it's just mm. celebrating people and not saying that anybody has to look a certain way and I think there's a little education piece in there that's being missed 
between everybody wanting to see themselves out there and the fashion industry and the magazines. So I hear from a lot of people, you know, why don't um, on the runway they have all the different sizes included? And yes, that's an amazing idea. But you know as well as I do, fashion has really been hit hard. There's stores closing. You walk down your high street, they're not there anymore. Um, and it's been a struggle, you know, for the last at least 10 years, keeping everything together. There's huge costs in getting a, a range together, which involves, you know, your, your mannequins, your patterns and your sample sizes. And I always say to people, um, it's not just about wanting to see everybody on the runway or it, or in the, you know, the online, uh, modeling, but it's about what sample sizes we have. So if each fashion brand can only really afford to do one sample size, they do the one sample size that the model agencies have the models in that yes. size. And I know because doing a petite line, when I went to cast my first runway show and all the online stuff, guess what? Petite division doesn't exist in model agencies, but it does now. That's amazing. Yeah, it's such an achievement, I think. And I was the first person in Australia to create petite mannequins and put them in store. Because I walked in store and I'm like, I don't identify with the kid models. I'm certainly not six foot tall like your regular sizes. Mm. And then I'm not plus size. I'm not maternity. I actually don't fit anywhere in this store. So my whole life I'd never seen anybody, anything that looked like me when I walked into a store. And I never, ever pulled anything off a rack that ever fit me. And so I started to get these really weird thinking, there's something wrong with me. Obviously, other people take clothes off the rack and it all fits them. Why doesn't it fit me? There, there must be something wrong with me. And so it's, it's, it's ever-evolving, but I think, as I said, that education piece to say to people, not every um, a fashion brand has the money to have every different sample size to then when they put on a fashion show to put all those sizes on there. Rihanna has done it with her lingerie line and done it exceptionally well to put all body sizes and um, it's a space where I think everyone is heading and if you don't do it you'll be left behind. Mm. Uh, so it's just working out um between all the noise of we've got to have everybody shape in, in represented in every brand all the time, suddenly you might cut forward to 10 years and all your favourite fashion labels are gone because, sorry, they couldn't keep up with what Rihanna was doing. They're not all backed by that same huge injection of billions of dollars every year. They're not. I mean, some people in fashion are just scraping through but they're still employing models, they're still employing pattern cutters, they're still manufacturing, they're still trying to put on runway shows, you know. So it's like it's just that that balance of, of people understanding and it was when I really got into the, the, the fashion business where we were really employing models that, that I, I got that. You can't have samples in every size. Mm. Mm, absolutely right and that again that's something you know I worked in fashion for years before um, you know going into journalism and television and that's something I've never considered of course it you know even whatever it was 20 30 years ago it cost about quarter of a million to put on one fashion show um, and you couldn't have and the you couldn't have samples in different sizes of course and you could there weren't the models so You've educated me on that too. Tick, thank you for that, Danny. So which part of the design process do you enjoy the most for your range? I think there's two, there's two parts. The like, oh, I've, I've had this idea and, and this inspiration and there's seeing the end product and seeing someone in it and knowing that you did that because it, it takes a lot to get there mm. from that first idea and... Um, you know, a big team of people and for QVC UK putting this together, we worked three years on it before we launched and we delayed the launch by six months because of uh, COVID. I remember at the start it's like 
China's shut down and it's not going to come back on time. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, you know, that'll that'll put a dent in the schedule. Little did we know the rest of the world was going to shut down. So, um, you know, it takes a team of incredible people to work through what we have worked through to to launch a brand and I'm in Australia, they're in the UK, we're manufacturing in other countries and um, making live television and, mm. and, and, and putting on a show. But do you, when you're designing, is for you, is it when you're designing for um, uh, petite women, are you more concerned with um, proportion? Are you more concerned with keeping colours tonal, which will elongate the body? Are you more concerned with designing a range that another designer might might um, put out, but it's just smaller? So interestingly enough, I, I've got to give props to my design team because I'm not technical. I didn't study design. My ability comes from my grandma, who's turning 102 in a couple what? of months. What? Danny? Yeah. Yeah. You're joking. A hundred and two. Yeah. She had six kids and not a lot of money. She's Welsh, grew up on a farm and made all the kids and grandkids and great grandkids clothing. And so for me growing up, it was the whir of the sewing machine, which started as the the singer mm-hmm. sewing machine. Like and Charlie then- Chaplin. And his mum? Yeah, yeah, like a, a wrought iron one and then went on to the Janome sewing machine. But that, that sound is really comforting to me. That's my grandma. So she taught me about patterns and laying things out and cutting. So it was good to have the knowledge of how to do it, but I knew that that bored me. That wasn't where I wanted to be. I just wanted to have the idea and then say to someone else, can we do that? And I still do that all the time. So the design team are great, but for me... I've had a frustration of, A, not finding anything that fit me and trying not to have some kind of body dysmorphia where you go, there's something wrong with me. Mm. It really got to a point where I'm like, I just I just don't get it. Nobody could explain to me. I'd never even heard the word petite until I was in like my early 20s, worked with a seamstress. I just knew everything that came to me that I had to wear for a shoot or on stage had to be altered. And there was no connecting the dots. So I worked with a seamstress in London and I said, I don't know, there's something wrong with me. And she said, oh, please don't think there's anything wrong with you. You're petite. And I'm like, what's petite? And she said, oh, if you were making clothes to fit you, it'd be a completely different pattern. It's about your body proportions and your height. Your height only, not your dress size. Mm. Your height. Your torso is smaller. Your neck is smaller. Your legs are shorter. Your arms are shorter. So I'm a true petite, but some people can just have petite arms or petite torso or petite legs or a combination. And it was that light bulb moment. I was so happy that I knew that there was nothing wrong with me. But then it was like, well, why aren't there clothes that fit me? It has a label. There are there are patterns for it. They're different patterns, but it just doesn't exist out there. Again, the knowledge on why can't you have every model modeling something when a brand is going to launch to do the petite version of it is a different pattern, a different mannequin, a different team. It's different from the ground up. So it's like if you had a truck and you had a mini miner and you're like, well, we'll just put the doors from the truck on the mini miner. It's going to fit. It's not going to fit. You need to have to cut them and weld it and make it work. So uh, it's it's that light bulb bulb moment. I I am normal. Um, it's just it doesn't exist out there, and I get it because a lot of brands don't have the money to do it. So then I went into research, a bit of math. Well, how many other people out there are like me? Mm. And that's when it was the second light bulb moment. So in Australia, I got to make a clothing um, label out here with a huge chain of stores called Target. And um, they said, why don't you bring us something that's a solution? And I said, a solution? A solution that really suits me would be to buy something off a rack that fit. And they're like, what do you mean it doesn't fit? And I'm like, it doesn't even fit a coat hanger. I can't even find coat hangers that fit clothes. Once I've altered them, I can't hang them up. Like, it's ridiculous. So we set about doing this label. And, uh, yeah, it's just all of those 
mm. moments where you kind of understand why it wasn't there, but then me just going, I want to find the people that I can put around me to make that happen. And so that joy of just having an idea and then seeing it come to life and getting messages from people who could be, I've had one from a lady who said, I'm 70. I have never previously bought anything that fit me. That's amazing. Wow. And so I want to change that. So I call it the petite revolution and wanting to create something that years down the track is not a novelty. It's not an afterthought. It's not a range of clothing from a designer where you can get that one pair of black pants also in a petite. No, I can buy the shirt and the jacket and the scarf and the hat and everything as well and it fits. Um, So it's kind of evolved just from me, my grandma sewing, being curious and then wanting to find something that I could buy in a store and have that lovely moment of shopping and deciding who, you know, with my personality who I want to be rather than, that one top in the store fits me. So I guess that's my personality. I guess that's it. Mm. Okay. One last question on this. What percentage of women are petite roughly? Uh, That's not a quiz question. That's a genuinely interested question. The number within QVC that we have is 60%. 60% of women are petite. Six. Zero. You are joking. And so what constitutes petite below uh, sort of five foot four or five foot? What is petite? So it depends on the brand. So most labels around the world are five four. Yeah. And I'm five two and I buy them and I'm still having to take up the hem. Yeah. I do my pattern on five three and I take an extra inch off the bottom because I have a lot of friends that are like say 411 and I want them to have that moment where they order a dress and it's not dragging on the floor Mm. and that they can put it on so I particularly have created something new that hasn't been out there in the petite world because it was only two inches shorter and two inches shorter doesn't doesn't cover really the petite people so if you're if you're mid-size and your mid-height becomes your regular in your regular clothing, then we need to go mid-height and mid-size in petite Mm. to create that as a petite world. Not an afterthought of everything being two two inches shorter on the length because it's not that. It's all over the body. It's everything smaller. So, so, So my design thing, your original question, the collars, the placement, the everything that I've ever had to take to a seamstress and alter and go, no, but I actually want you to take this in and up and you've got to take the neck down because my neck isn't that long. And so, you know, where a, where a polar neck would be there and you see a beautiful bit of neck on me, it's like up here. <laughs> like you're about to go, go and rob a house. Um, becomes a balaclava. But my darling, so you were, you were, you mentioned that you were, you know, started in the entertainment industry really, really young. And how did that make life at school? It must have been really tough for you, wasn't it? Well, it was, it definitely was different. Um, I, there was, there was no social media. There were no paparazzi. I walked to school I walked myself home and then I went to rehearsals and was on the biggest show in the country. It was so normal. We didn't have tutors. We didn't have drivers. We didn't have management, nothing. It was like if kids like to play basketball after school, their mum drives them and that's what they do. Or if you like music lessons or whatever. It was like that's just what I did, but it just happened to end up on Saturday night on the prime TV show. But I was nerdy and geeky and wanted to get good grades at school so in lunchtime I did my homework so I was with all the geeks in the library so I didn't really get bullied because I wasn't near the bullies I was there with all of the other people who were running away from being bullied and then um, after school I split straight away and I'm I've got to get home because I've got to get to rehearsal so I was lucky I didn't I didn't have a lot of drama at school. It was pretty. It's pretty normal. Mm. That's quite you. It's interesting. So so far, 
you've told me that two kind of not pivotal moments, but two kind of milestones that we all go through in life. So one in how how you are as a, a sister, a daughter. So you're a tomboy wearing Wellington boots, kind of roughy tufty, and then with a tutu on top. So that's kind of two things going on there. That's like catering to both sides of your personality. Then at school, you're like doing the biggest entertainment show out there, and yet you're a nerd. So has this kind of dual personality thing, does that carry through everything in your life? I don't know. I'm, I'm so I love it. I love the glad fact that, that you can be more than one person. I'm so glad you pointed it out. I mean, I'm, I always knew it in a fashion way, like as that kid with that tomboy thing, um, but then didn't realise it was actually the same at school, going from the big wow, wow, we to the I'm, I'm hiding in the library. Yeah. Um, but it does, I guess, make me really curious about what's going on in the world now with gender fluidity and everybody exploring who they are and trying to work it out. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment, Memoirs, by um, Shane Jenak, who most people would know know as Courtney Act. Uh, he mm-hmm. was on Big Brother and was one minute walking on as Shane and the next as Courtney Act, really glam. And um, uh, Shane said to me, would you read my memoirs, you know, before they come out? And I said, I'd, I'd love to. So I'm just I'm two chapters away from the end at the moment. But, wow, it is so enlightening He's so clever and so smart and uh, got so much empathy and has been through so much. If you want to know about that duality and and living in two different worlds and trying to understand everybody's got their own degree of it and, you know, what, what I go through, he's going through in a completely different way. And then even in his world, other people who are guys, like live their life authentically as a guy but do drag and also love celebrating how they feel dressed up as a woman. Even in that world, there's so many different shades mm. of it. I I thought I'm I'm a Minogue. I'm kind of educated. I've been to a lot of Mardi Gras and you know I've performed at DIY. I have a, a lot of different friends who are all different colors of the rainbow. And oh wow, it's just mind blowing what I've learned just from you know, reading through his memoirs. And I'm sure if if you stopped anybody and really kind of spent the time to work it out, we are all different. And mm. it's, it gets back to that same thing. We've just got to celebrate what what is truly us and be brave enough to, to be true to ourselves. Um, I saw today Iris Apfel has turned 100. I absolutely love her. She's my style icon. She's authentically her. She always has been. She doesn't change. She happens to be in fashion, you know, now, like since Mm -hmm. I think she turned 90, it was like, oh, she's a style icon, but she's always been that. It's just people maybe caught on or she's in fashion now. Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what's your favorite way to um, dress? Okay, so are you still kind of this split of very, you know, glamour, feminine and tomboy? Do you still have that split? 
Yeah, I do. I guess the the tomboy today is the practical side. Like I used to look at parents going, why do they all dress the same and look the same? Mm. cut forward to being a parent and you're running after a, a young boy and you're you're picking up his dummy and you'd need things where you bend over and you know you don't have your crack hanging out and yeah. you know you you got you got to start being practical I, I was before I had Ethan I didn't own a pair of flat shoes only to go to the gym there was no other pair of shoes in my wardrobe that wasn't a platform high heel now there's a big change in that. Uh, so, yes, very exploring that, put it in the masculine category, but flat shoes and and practical, but loving getting dressed up. We just um, wrapped filming a series of The Masked Singer here and um, we were filming it in Sydney. Uh, Sydney was also in lockdown at the time and the girls on the show were looking at each other going, how good is our life like we have makeup artists doing our hair and makeup we're getting dressed in these like couture outfits like and we're going to work like so I do get to explore it in the most magical way fantastic but then you have the flip side with that so I'm so relieved the x factor is not happening anymore I kind of grew to have no respect for that show but the one thing that I, I you really got a sense that the judges were pitted against each other. And I don't know if that was deliberate or not, if that was manufactured. And also, you know, having, you know, known you and your sister, Kylie, through the media for so long, I felt it was the same there. You two were pitted against each other. Is that the case? Kylie and I were for, well, since since I kind of landed in London, I felt like, I wasn't her. I didn't look like her. I was never going to be like as sisters. We are salt and pepper in personalities and everything. We're so different. Yeah, we're sisters. So people go, when they meet you, oh, my God, you kind of look alike. And you're like, funny about that. We're sisters. But then yeah. if you're not the same, they go, oh, my God, but you're so different. You go, yeah, because we're different people. So mm. you, we are sisters, but we're different people. And back then when I arrived in England, there was – no right of reply to anything in media because there were no social media. So journalists could write whatever they want and you could never, ever stop it. So if something was written that was wrong even, not even that they were trying to be nasty, it just got repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated. And in every single interview I'd be saying the same answer. They'd go, so is it true? And you go, actually, I've answered this like a 100 million billion times no it's not true but why listen to me Let, let's just keep rolling on uh, mm. the headlines that work for you so to pit um, sisters against each other and particularly women against each other and I feel like that has happened a lot in um, television and um, you know it's it's definitely it's taken a turn and um, I, I'm glad about that because I feel like um, as nasty as things got with Sharon Osbourne, I feel like maybe... What was that? I kind of vaguely remember that. There was a thing, wasn't there, with, Sharon, with, with her. Was that, in, was that manufactured as well? Was that just because you had supposedly some kind of spat? Was that real or...? I don't know what I was meant to be doing to upset her, but before the very first live show in the studios we'd done all the auditions we'd laughed so much we'd had such a great time and then something happened every time we came into the studio for rehearsals there was this really weird feeling and um just before the first live show millions of people watching you know those doors open um about an hour before that, she came into my dressing room. It was my birthday and we were running late and uh, she wanted me to come down to her room and I wanted to as well, but I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be late for the first live show. Like I can't let everybody down and be late. So um, 
I was sending down messages saying, I'm so sorry, we're trying to get ready, but I'm not ready yet. And then cut forward to she walks in the room and just starts screaming at me and screaming at me. And there were producers in the room. The makeup artist was in the room. There are a lot of witnesses to this. And she's screaming to me uh, to, like, just put it in a nutshell about how I'd ruined her life. And then we had about... 10 minutes before the show was live and she stormed out of the room and this was like the biggest show I'd ever done. I was such a fan of this show and such a fan of her. I was just wow blown away because I couldn't pinpoint what she was talking about or what I had done wrong. Yeah, and also you're and someone whose MO is to make people comfortable and to be sweet and polite yeah. and respectful i mean i can you know you i can yeah. see that just by over zoom you wouldn't hurt a fly so and if if i did do something wrong i'd want to know about it and fix it but this was just like gobbledy you know what she was saying wasn't making sense to anyone mm. so she walked out and i'm like did, did, does anybody know what's going on and they said no and i was in in such shock i re- really it was you know, so explosive. I burst into tears. Makeup and mascara is running down my face. I mean, it's comedy when you think about it. Mm. And I was just so, you know, like snot coming out of your nose, like the ugliest kind of crying. And the producers just looked up at me and said, we're going live in 10 minutes. And I thought, wow, okay, I don't know. Well, I I can't be there. And I remember uh, my makeup artist, Karen Alder, just saying, like, she she shook me. She knows me so well. She she feels like family. She shook me and she said, shut up, you stop crying, here's a tissue, blow that bloody nose, we're putting some makeup and you're going out there. And I went, okay, I am. I was still in shock. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, I made it out there and I still didn't know what was going on. But we walked down the stairs and we got to the front of the stage and I held Sharon's hand and I held it up in the air. I'm like, I don't know what anybody was wanting to happen from this, but I'm not going down that drama lane. That's not me. But I feel like there was possibly, you know, I don't know, people saying things to her, that stuff that was not true that got in her head there had to be because Mm. you couldn't explode like that I don't Mm. understand it and I don't understand yeah it's it's still a question yeah you have I mean I had a similar situation with someone who I thought was a really good friend very high profile person and suddenly uh, you know being the archetypal people pleaser out of nowhere, there was all this stuff that I'd supposedly said and done. And it's a, which are completely untrue as far as I was concerned. Maybe in her head it Mm. wasn't. But you kind of feel so, I remember feeling almost violated, not not in a angry, you know, not just, just, yeah, that feeling of shock and, I must have done something wrong, you know, and racking my brains to think, what have I done wrong? And it's only, you know, this happened like, again, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And it's only recently that um, I've discovered that, you know, people have their own shit going on and it might be nothing to do with me at all. It's something else and you just become the target. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was, but I do feel like, you know, going back in time, media-wise, there was something going on where they could just say whatever they wanted and get away with it. Um, and I feel like in TV, there are certain kind of TV shows that I imagine rustle up drama. Like I've got lots of other friends that work on different shows, whether it's about home decorating or whatever, and it's like a, a drama and a competition and there's there seems to be a lot rustled up. Um, but you know, hopefully there's that space where there's a lot of women getting involved in production and direction and uh, script writing and, and 
uh, hopefully that's, there's that space where we can start telling a different story. Mm. But I think it's, you know, thank God that is the case. And cause, and also because I, I don't think it's like if you have brothers or two male presenters, you know, that never happens. It's just people assume that, that women are going to be bitching about each other. And it's it's not yeah. the case. We are, generally speaking, such supporters of each other. And, you know, we we need our girls. Girls need their girls. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's coming to that time. It's coming to that space where we 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 have to stand up and take part in a bigger movement that's mm. about all women and that's not just women supporting other women but men supporting other women um so there was a, a an article that was being written uh about uh, Mar Singer and there's three women on the guessing panel and one dude and the article is about you know, how we, you can genuinely see we bond. There's nobody messing with us. There's no producers trying to get some spat. And, you know, how beautiful that is because it's genuine, it's authentic. Um, and so when I did the interview about it, I said it, it is and it is brilliant uh, and it is natural, but I said it's also incredibly supported by our male judging panellists and our male host who so celebrate us and let us be who we are and let us have our little girl gang moments as well because I think that's the bigger picture is 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 for the guys to support you doing that. Mm, I had I, at that show, Mars Singer, and did it come out in Australia before it came out in the UK? And it was it in America did. first, yeah. Yeah, I saw the American one and I was just watching it on uh, on the couch with my son. And as soon as the first episode went to air, I called my manager and I said, this is the greatest show. Oh, my God, you've got to find out some way to watch it. It's so good. We just love it. We're squealing at the TV. Um, we get to the end of the series. I call her again. I'm like, this is the greatest show. Not thinking that. I'm calling her as a manager. I'm calling her as a friend just going, ah, we love it. Um, but then she she calls back later and says, oh, my God, you've been asked, that they're bringing it to Australia, you've been asked to do it. And I was like, yes, yes, because I, I love being that, um, just that the viewer at home on the couch. And that was the experience I got with X Factor, which I think in a way when I joined the panel gave me a different dimension. Not only was I a performer, so I knew how those um, performers felt on stage and the other judges didn't, but they'd started the show and they'd created it into what it was and I was the person at home watching. So I knew what that felt like too and they didn't. So um, it's it's it was really cool to be on the first episode of this series but to, to be a genuine fan of that as well and love that family time viewing yeah it's sensational and I know that um Jake Shears is a really good friend of Kylie and I don't know if he's a good yeah. friend of yours but Jason as he's really known uh he's one of my best friends too and I remember seeing I was interviewing him actually for the, this podcast we had the funniest time we just did it in bed in his hotel room no. And he's the only other man apart from my husband who I'll walk around naked in front of. And he, you know, if he compliments you, the, he doesn't understand what a woman is. He's so gay. He doesn't really understand women unless you look like a yeah. porn star or a drag queen. Yeah, he was just doing it and he was really being really poke and dagger about the whole thing because he couldn't say. He said that he had so much fun doing it, but it was hard because you're trying to sing in those huge costumes which weigh a lot and trying to dance and you can't breathe. So it's really hard for the artists, mm. you know, pulling that off. I'd take my hat off to anybody who would even think about trying it, let alone do it. Um, the the costumes, some of them are really heavy, and uh, I think they've worked out now that you've you've got to start training before you get into that costume with the amount of weight that's going to be on your body and build up to that, because it does put so much pressure on your singing and your vocals and your ability to move around the stage but boy it's fun it's the most crazy show when we were doing press for the first season 
and people are like, so what is this show that you've got? And you're like, well, there's the celebrities and they're dressed up as like weird things and, and, and you've got to guess who they are. They're like, that is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. And I said, I know, right, on paper it shouldn't work, but I don't know why, but it does. And if you can just tune into one episode and just be open to giving it a go, you might still think it's stupid and that's okay. But um, And we had no idea if Australia would embrace it. Um, Australia can be a tough crowd mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of whether it's beauty companies or perfume companies or whatever, they'll test their stuff out in Australia because we're pretty we're pretty just honest and straight down the line. Of, yeah, I love it or no, nah, hate it. So mm. um, we were incredibly nervous launching that show, but we just filmed season three and uh, it's a show that not only is great for families but our whole like east coast has been in and out of lockdown and um two states are still in lockdown and uh, every parent that's homeschooling that's you know done almost a year of homeschooling is like <laughs> bring back the last singer <laughs> i need to laugh with my child and and not do the times table and long division mm, no it's totally it's just and it, you know it's just a thoroughly nice joyful bit of entertainment and it's it's just yeah it celebrates everything that's good about um you know entertaining and and musicality and and costume and la 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 interestingly it's it's very um it's a good topic for your show because when we see people emerge from the masks the transformation they've had internally is always huge and it's like who would you be and what would you do if people didn't know it was you, if they couldn't see you and they couldn't judge you in that moment, who would you be? And so then that goes back to wardrobe and and how clothing makes you feel and disguising yourself or showing yourself and, and how it makes you move differently, be a different person, but that liberating feeling for these celebrities to for the guessing panel panelists not to know who they are and the audience not to know so true it's really intriguing yeah so true so true and darling so when you've been you know you've had some tough times and you've um you had a horrible thyroid condition um and you know hair falling out in clumps which is tough for a woman for that to happen did you or do you have a comfort blanket of some kind something that you always take with you everywhere that makes you feel secure this is such a libra and answer i have crystals that i <laughs> take with me which i do Danny, <laughs> do you really I do. I've got crystals that I've bought in different places of the world that have lived in different houses and apartments that I've lived all over the world and they've travelled with me. They have been a constant and I know that just sounds like so new age and like weird, but they're beautiful. They're all completely different and they're all beautiful and it's that celebration of just that zing, colour and energy and I guess looking at that thing that has those qualities of what I want to be, that zen colour and energy and transforming the energy in the room. So I guess that's the mm. that's my connection without being somebody who carries crystals because I think I have to. Um, and I love really cosy, comfy things. Like I love days when I can be in pyjamas and Ugg boots all day. And, yeah, COVID delivered on that one mm. uh, <laughs> to the point where I'm ready to get out of, you know, Ugg boots and tracksuits and stuff. But uh, anything snuggly, um, you know, I always do travel with a teddy bear when I travel. I know that sounds really weird. I'm approaching 50, but I have like a little snuggle teddy bear that I carry with me. And stupidly, the the cuddly toy that I that I love that I have is white and so when you're in a hotel room it blends into the sheets and you leave it there and then so I'm flying on to the next destination I'm like do I call the hotel and go where's my teddy bear or 
do I just let the cleaner find it and get another one? So luckily it's um, the kind of bear that you can find wherever you go. So then I just replace it and get another one. But I've, I've cottoned on to like getting a coloured one now so I don't leave it as as many places. But there's, yeah, there's quite, a few, quite a few cuddly toys donated by Danny Minogue travelling around the world. Oh, little girl. I can so understand that with the bear. Does it have a name? Do you, do you keep, does the bear have the same name when it changes? It's just a soft bunny and it's, it's made out of that, um, you know, fur that's just like you could give this to a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. It's just so soft and it's that comforting feeling. And I remember when um, I was having my son and uh, I'd been in about, 30 hours of posterior labor and I was now in the hospital and we were still trying to turn him and the pain was so intense. I I took with me that same little teddy and I put it under my neck and it was literally the only thing that was getting me through. I had family and I had people around me going, you okay? And like stroking my hand and, and asking me questions, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't even tune in to that but I just this feeling of having this little bear and then most parents would know the feeling when you you're you have a little baby on your lap and it's got that fuzzy just little it's kind of bald but just that little fuzz and you just rest your chin on the top Mm. of their head and that fuzz that's the feeling that's the feeling that just makes me so calm it can fix anything so I know it does sound stupid traveling with that teddy bear but I guess it brings me all of that um, sort of comforting emotion. So I don't know if anybody else in your podcast has said teddy bear. No one has said teddy bear, but I absolutely get it. My daughter, who's now nearly 21, but she was given Pooh Bear when she was born by one of her godparents. She still has it. It still goes with her everywhere. It's at university now. I mean, we had to... We were in South Africa. We'd gone on holiday and we flew from um, uh, Cape Town to Johannesburg, I think it was, and she'd left him behind. I had <gasps> to get a flight back to get Pooh Bear. I mean, Pooh Bear is one of the family and I'm always, you know, I'm I'm kind of snatching cuddles with Pooh Bear. There's just something, yeah. it's so much part of my daughter and it's yeah. kind of weathered and he's, he's never been washed, so he stinks, revolting. But there's just something so lovely about him. So I completely get it. Um, so, Danny, you've had so many, you know, your life, such a big part of your life has been about what you've been wearing, whether you've been judging, whatever, and it's all the costume. Have you ever had a time, a wardrobe malfunction, when your clothes have let you down? I think it's more me letting down the clothing. Um, I had um, uh, one of those moments that's both brilliant and horrendous at the same time so I had a clothing label in London called Project D with I remember that bestie Tabitha Webb and we had a, a a party in I think it was Selfridges and I was wearing a full-length sequin dress of ours it was just beautiful it felt gorgeous but very long with very high platform heels underneath so it's fine if you're walking on just straight ground and then cut forward to we're coming out of the event and we're just wild. We're just crazy, stupid together. Of course, we'd had a few wines. And so as we come out, I tumble down the stairs, like do the biggest, most stupid fall in this long sequin gown. And I've got false eyelashes on and jewellery and the whole bit. And I'm lo- I'm like on the floor at the bottom of these stairs. She's laughing. I can just hear her laughing at me. She's not like, oh, my God, are you okay? She's like, ah! And then there's just all these paparazzi and all I can see is like flash, 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 flash. It's at nighttime. So when, when it's dark, those flashes are extra, you know, um, stroby. And uh, I, I just remember I, I think I definitely let down the dress. The dress was meant to glide. And I, I did this spectacular fall. If it was the Olympics of falling, I would have got a medal. And uh, a friend of mine called me the next morning who works in PR, not the PR from who we were working with, but he said, oh, my God, that was brilliant last night. And I said, brilliant. I was still like I couldn't sleep all night. It was terrifying. It was shocking. Oh, my God, I can't even bear to like 
open up anything and, and look at the photos because it's surely going to look even even a hundred times worse than it is in my head. And he's like, oh, my God, if I was doing the PR for you, I would have pushed you down the stairs. It was <laughs> the best thing ever. And so that's what then stuck in my head. Um, and I'm like, uh, it was both horrendous and maybe pretty good, but um, very authentic, just absolutely trip down the stairs fantastic that's so good that is so good so yeah that is like a PR's dream I mean the dress yeah. won't have looked so good but the label would have been um, publicized beautifully so smart very inadvertently very smart and is there any do you have a style icon is there someone whose style you um, really love I've read that you were passionate or are passionate about Janet Jackson and you met her so yes. is she one of your style icons I loved her growing up because I loved her music. I loved her dancing in the videos as much as I loved her brother's music and mm. his dancing. But I felt like when I was seeing her dance, she did not look like the models on the magazines, but she really danced and got into it. And so for me, I felt like she was somebody who in some way I was identifying with that 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 joy of dancing and not not being a particular body shape or a dress size to be able to just get out there and really enjoy that so um yeah she's been a hero of mine mm. for a long time and I was just stalking her on social media last night as well she's she's in the recording studio I see her in front of a microphone oh, <laughs> exciting yeah um and birthday suit is the something that you can pull out of your wardrobe and it's a fail safe i'm gonna feel a fucking million dollars in this outfit oh, for me i think it's the spanks that go under the outfit if the spanks are on <laughs> i know that's horrible brilliant uh, <laughs> um there are a lot of beautiful outfits and i've got i've been lucky to wear so many incredible things but yeah spanks can can make me feel like this is going to be good when we get to the, the end it's the foundation it's the foundation well danny you are just as wonderful as i knew you were going to be and i really hope that um we get to meet when you come back when you're able to get out of the bloody country is it easy to leave australia can you come to can you come to england or is it just going back that's difficult uh at the moment, only citizens can return. So I have a lot of friends that uh, have a husband or wife who are not Australian citizens and they cannot return. Um, to be a citizen to leave, you have to get special permission and not everybody is granted that. And then if you do leave, you, I think, can't come back for three months. And it's all to do if you also have a residence overseas. You've got to prove that you live overseas. I don't know. It's a whole oh, thing and it's God. changing every day. It's yeah. very, very difficult. But for the moment, generally, to keep it easy, I'm Aussie, I'm here, and I was meant to be in London be doing this in person with you and being there and, and, and working, but I'm not. I'm, I'm very much stuck and... Um, I don't know. There's a lot of good things that come out of it, a lot of good family time. And, mm. uh, yes, I will be here uh, for my grandma's 102nd birthday. Amazing. So what do you get someone that's 102? It's like last year I was I was thinking I've got to get her something really fun and saucy because she's really fun and saucy. So I saw that the firefighters had their, like, male pin-up calendar, like the topless calendar. So I got her that for her uh, 101 uh, birthday. And uh, the place that she lives at, she's the oldest person there, and um, it brightened everyone's day. So if anybody needs that that amazing present, and I can't think what's going to top that. So okay, I've be. got a really good idea. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I can't say what it is because well, I can, and, and George can edit it out. But so there's yeah. a company yeah. called Outlandish Creations, and they do yeah. this girl. She's so clever. She makes these sort of fine um, bone china mugs and teacups, and yeah. but you can have whatever you want put on them and Trini actually gave me one 
which was, and it's like this beautiful mug. I wonder if I can find it. It's a beautiful mug. And then it just says, cunt <laughs> on it. <laughs> and there's all. Leave that out. It's still a good story. <laughs> so, and it's my, that is my favorite word in the world. It's also my youngest daughter's oh. favorite word. And, um, and oh, it's what Trini so and I call each other. Uh, so, and I call all my best friends are known by that word. And um, so that is, and there's all sorts of fantastic things. And then you can, and it just look, you open it and you think, oh my God, this is just so beautiful. Okay. It's such a beautiful thing. And then you go, oh my God. <laughs> so that's what I think your grandma would okay. love. Okay. I've, I'm, I'm definitely, I've got time to organize that, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's got to be something special and something that fits into her room where she is. So the calendar worked, but yeah, a beautiful a and it could be mug, like, you know, um, cockwomble or, I don't know, something less um, overt uh, words that you can use that are a bit softer. I think I would put her catchphrase on there. Um, so, like, if anyone's saying goodbye to her, and especially if it's, like, a gorgeous young gentleman, she'll lean in, like, you know, give me a kiss. And, you know, it's very awkward, and they, like, give her a kiss, and then she goes, still got it. So I think it's got to have yes. still got it written on perfect. it. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. All right, my darling. Well, listen, you take care, and I hope, um, yeah, you get released soon. And it really has yeah. been a pleasure speaking to you, and thanks so much for the time. You too, and, and I cannot wait to hang out. I'm intrigued to know what we'll do because I think it could, it could end up anywhere. All right, my darling. Well, listen, you take care, and I give you a big fat kiss. Okay. All right, lots of love. Bye. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Danny. Petite in structure, but gigantic in spirit. What great fun she is, too. By the way, when I said Danny's teddy bear was our first on the podcast, I completely forgot about Jay Blaze's denim buddy. Sorry, Jay. Danny's QVC UK Petite's Autumn Winter Collection is out now. You can find the link in our show notes. Right, before we go, please join us for our live show slash shambles on Sunday the 7th of November, starting at 7.45 GMT and streaming everywhere from 8pm. Ticket links in our show notes too. You can also email us at help at mywardmail.com, follow us at mywardmail and of course subscribe, rate and review us on your chosen podcast platform. Our house band duo is at duoguitarmusic.com or at duoguitarmusic on their socials. Okay, that's it. Thanks so much again to Danny, to Duo, and of course, thanks to you guys for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.